Well, if you would, before we jump into God's Word, uh, I do got to apologize. I do just have a head cold. It's nothing worse, so I'm going to be having a Ricola, um, if that's okay with you. Don't, bu- don't worry about it. <clears throat> so I don't ha- hack on you guys and cough and do all that. So um, if you would entertain me just for a little bit as we, before we jump into God's Word, um, one of the greatest most entertaining series of movies ever created, The Avengers. I expected more applause, that's okay. (laughs) The the Avengers. (laughs) Last year came to an end to a marvelous close. You're welcome. These heroes, unique in their individual abilities and strengths, came together in an epic way to accomplish their common goal, beat the bad guy. Right? That's awesome. Okay, so I'm getting some looks. Not, not all of us are maybe Marvel Universe fans or maybe superhero movie watchers. Okay, so let's, let's try this again. Let's try this out. Okay. One of the greatest, most entertaining movies ever created... Finding Nemo (laughs) touched millions of hearts in the story of a father going to great lengths to find his missing son, Nemo. One really great part of this movie that I like is the dentist fish tank part, right, where Darla comes in and ruins the lives of the fish to get headaches, migraines, it's terrible. These fish inside of the dentist tank with their unique abilities and strengths came together in an epic way to accomplish their common goal, which was to save Nemo by getting him out to the ocean to find his dad, shark bait uaha, right? Okay, now these are silly, two very silly uh, illustrations, but it's two illustrations that share a common thread. It's a common thread that we will be discovering as we open God's Word this morning. So we're going to jump right in. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have the Bible app, pop that open as well. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 31 this morning. So follow along with me as I read aloud. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving great honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, 
but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for um, the truths we are going to discover and the greatness that is your Son, yourself, and your Spirit within these, these texts, Father. May the truths impact not only our minds but our hearts, God. May we be doers of your word, Father, and not hearers only. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, so we are coming off of last week uh, where Pastor Derek introduced to us a new section in Paul's letter to the Corinthian Christians in Corinth, Greece. He talked about grace gifts, grace gifts, supernatural abilities given by God, the Holy Spirit, to build up his church and bring glory to the Father, grace gifts, manifestations of his grace. And it is through one spirit we were all baptized upon salvation into one body and received by that one spirit each gifts for the good of the church. And now Paul uses uh, different imagery to describe the church throughout his letters uh, to Christians around uh, uh, East Asia. Yes? Good talk. All right. <clears throat> he uses different imagery uh, to describe the church, and some of the imagery he uses is, he uses the imagery of a building, the church as a building. In 1 Timothy 3.15 and Ephesians 2.19-22, he describes the church as being like a building. He uses the imagery of a bride, the church as a bride, in Ephesians 5.25, and church as a body here in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians as we're studying. And so Paul uses different imagery, all that to say, he uses different things to describe a common thing that we are all a part of, which is the, yeah, all those, good. <laughs> Church, the body, yes. So in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, so it is with Christ. Unity and diversity are the common thread throughout chapter 12. However, there's one more facet that we will be exploring today. And as Pastor Derek said last week, within the unity of the Trinity, as it says in uh, verses 4 through 6, there's a diversity of diver, di, oh my goodness. There's a diversity of divine persons. So it is with Christ his church where there is unity. There is also a diversity of gifts. Where there is unity, there is a diversity of gifts. In verses 13 and 14, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So there are many diverse members of one body, is what Paul's getting at. Race, social status, wealth, or gender are neither advantages nor handicaps as we fellowship and serve the Lord together. 
So let us keep in mind, however, that unity is not the same as uniformity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Paul isn't writing to the Corinthian church believers uh, about institutional unity. That's not what he's talking about here. Christendom as a whole, um, there, there tends to be a massively diverse amount of opinions and uh, theological convictions um, that spread wide and far, right? And so even within their own denominations, there's a great difference of opinions and convictions. And we are all called to be respectful of that as believers. And I love the ethos of the evangelical free church, our denomination here, Faith Church, is to major in the majors and minor in the minor issues. We're to maintain unity within the essentials and diversity within the non-essentials of our theological convictions. In verses 14 through 20, as Paul goes on, he kicks off this illustration of the body, the imagery of the body as the church. And it, it says that uh, no member should compare or contrast themselves with any other member. Our differences are actually really important. Our differences are really important. So going along with Paul's imagery here, I have a question for y'all. Have you ever tried to smell through your ears? Anybody? No? Just once? Thanks, Hannah. How'd that go for you? Didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah, me neither. Thank goodness for noses, right? <laughs> no, so just as the human body is one, it is made up of many diverse components, noses to smell and ears to hear, composing it as one. And as a great theologian states, uh, his name is Barnes, um, he states that no physical body can function as all seeing, all hearing, or all smelling. And he asks this question, so why? Why should the church expect to function with a focus on only one spiritual gift? The body doesn't work that way. Why should we expect the church? And this is all too common. And it goes both ways, excessive focus on the sensational gifts that Paul lists out, and also excessive focus away from the sensational gifts. Sensational gifts being the miracles, the healings, the tongues. And this is going to be addressed further and in greater depth from a much wiser man than I am when we get to chapter 14. So Pastor Derek, that's all yours. Um, But I do want to say uh, that Uh, one thing about this, that there tends to be an exaggeration today of the sensational gifts to the point where others uh, with less upfront or showy gifts feel guilt for not having those quote-unquote better gifts. And this attitude right here is exactly what Paul's talking about. That's what he's writing about to these Corinthian believers. Diversity does not suggest inferiority. Diversity does not suggest inferiority. In verse 18 it reads, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God is sovereign. And in his sovereignty, he diversely gave gifts, intentionally and uniquely to each and every one of us as believers. God is sovereign, amen? Still, though, Paul's audience, the Corinthian believers, separated themselves from others whose gifts were just a little too different. I don't know if you can relate to that, but uh, we're okay with our gifts over here and, and maybe like some people that have like gifts. 
But, but those intense gifts, leave them over there. That's, it's too uncomfortable. I don't want to ha- handle that. This is, this is my nice, comfortable bubble. Too uncomfortable. This is relatable to both the first century Christians that Paul's writing to and talking to here, but it's also very applicable to us 21st century Christians. The Holy Spirit's work is supernatural. The Holy Spirit's work is supernatural. It's going to be uncomfortable because it's intentionally not natural. Beyond the natural, it is of God. Verse 20 goes on and it, and it says, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. People are not all the same. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we're not all eyeballs or all ear lobes. <laughs> but we must be accepting of each other. We must be accepting of one another and our differences. So let us celebrate our diversity within the unity of the church. It's not just acceptance and tolerance, though, of each other. That's not what he's getting at. It's not just acceptance and tolerance of each other and our our different gifts. We're called to something greater. And in verses 21 through 26, Paul goes on to describe that there is no room in the body for independence. There's no room in the body for independence. None. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, bro. Nor the head deem the foot unnecessary. Each part... Every functioning gift is, as Paul says, indispensable. Indispensable. Absolutely necessary. Now, you guys are, as I'm learning and experiencing from you, very gifted people. And that's a wonderful thing. And many of you also have really awesome uh, abilities and talents beyond your giftings. And if I were to poll the crowd today, there would probably be quite a number of hands who could say that you could build your own furniture. Am I right? Yeah, there's a lot of nods. That's good. Well, I myself, Jake Fields, youth pastor, um, go to the great land of Ikea to build my furniture, um, (laughs) where you get instructions that are in Swedish. I mean, you turn the page, it's English, it's okay. But there's pictures, and it helps you get along real well. So I go to Ikea, and they have these pretty awesome, like, uh, bookshelves that have different square pieces. If you've been into my house, you've seen them. In my office, there's one as well. But these are awesome book holders. And so I go to Ikea. I get this box of goods that says that I can do that and take it home and put it together in the picture instructions. And so I open the box. I start putting pieces and pegs and different things and screws and this and that. It's really easy because Ikea is nice to me. Um, And so we keep building and building, and then it's a complete bookcase. It's perfect. It's sturdy. It can hold my books. And that's awesome. I'm stoked about it. I feel more of a man because I just created that with my credit card. And <laughs> so we set it up and and I'm I'm proud of it and then I turn around and behold four pieces left over. And they're not like pieces of what I just put together. They are foreign pieces that I don't understand cuz I read the whole the whole manual, right? I read the whole manual. But no, I did not, I find out. that I turn the page, oh, it's the securing to the wall assembly, right? So there's the other pieces that I thought were just left behind, but they do have a purpose. 
And so I can then secure it to the wall so that when my young son Tobias becomes more mobile and crazy, can then use it as a climbing wall instead of a bookshelf. All the parts in my assembly had a purpose and use. There was no piece left behind. And this brings us to what the body needs. The unified body with diverse parts needs interdependence. The unified body with diverse parts needs interdependence. All the parts in my Ikea bookshelf working together to hold strong the unity of Tobias's future climbing wall. All the arms, the legs, the lungs, the spleens, the earlobes working together to keep together the unity of the body. And all of us, you and you and you and you and you and I, working together, depending upon each other and the diverse gifts to which unity, to bring unity to the church and greater yet glory to the Father. In Corinth, and I would say even today, this reminder sings true, that those seeking experiences for themselves need to be reminded that it is the life of the church that is more important than their own selfish motives or independent intentions. It is more important for the life of the church to have unity and health than it is to seek your own experiences and ideas and intentions. Diversity leads to disunity when people compete or compare. Diversity leads to disunity when people compete or compare. And unity flourishes when diverse people, diverse believers, care for each other. Paul goes on in verse 26 and 27, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And going back to the the silly intro I had, we can kind of see this play out in the Avengers and Finding Nemo movies. When the heroes embrace diversity within their team and in their selves, and they choose to depend upon each other, Thanos was ultimately defeated, right? Can I get a nod, Andrew? Okay, we're good. When we see Marlin, the clownfish, depending upon all sorts of sea creatures to find his son Nemo, we see unity amidst diverse dealings and interdependency of Nemo and his friends to get out of the horrible fish tank. Further in the text, Paul writes in 28, he lists off priorities, a list of gifts, a priority list of gifts, and the first three are ranked. He says first, second, and third. And this does not contradict what Paul's been saying all along, that we need to interdepend, that unity with diversity. He's He's not contradicting himself here. But Paul is ranking them in concern to building up the body. Paul is ranking them in concern to building up the body. So there's first the apostles, and then there's the prophets. And these two, as the first two rankings, were foundational to the early church ministry. They were foundational, as we can also see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Third is teachers who were to aid in establishing people in their faith 
from what the apostles and prophets had established in the ministry. And then the remaining gifts that Paul goes on to list are for individual needs and circumstances within the body to build up the church. All parts, all gifts are indispensable. We can only build up if our unique indispensable gifts are interdependent on each other toward unity. And it's the only way that we can build up Christ's church. So then in verse 29 through 30, Paul lists questions that demand a rhetorical response. He, he says, oh, it's stuck together, there we go. He says this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? What is the rhetorical answer to the question? No, right? Not everyone can preach. Not everyone can sing. I certainly can't. Not everyone can teach, but everyone has a gift to do something. Everyone has a gift to do something. So I want you to reflect. What part of the body are you? What part of the body are you? What is your spirit-given grace gift? What is your spirit-given grace gift? And how are you using it today? What are you doing to build up the body of Christ? And how can we depend on you, believer, and you on us? The man who made the brass work for the tabernacle in the Old Testament was full of the Spirit of God. The poets who sung the Psalms in more than one place declared of themselves that they too were but the harps upon which the divine finger played. Samson was capable of his raw feats of physical strength because God's Spirit was upon him. The same Spirit that is upon you and I today. What are you doing with your spirit-given gifts? What are you doing with your spirit-given gifts so that they fit perfectly within Christ's church and his movement? There's an insert in the bulletin. If y'all got a bulletin, there's an insert in the bulletin. It's front and back. Um, and it's, it's a list of places and areas in which you can help in building up the, the body of faith church. Your body right here. This is the body of Christ. And so this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but it is a start. So if there's something on there that just shouts to you, this is my gifting, I challenge you to go and pick one and to pursue it. Like Pastor Derek challenged last week, we each have a gift. Each of us has a gift. We just got to go out and try it. We need to learn by doing, or if we don't know our gift, we need to learn by gaining affirmation from others about what our gift may be. So pick something on the list today. And if it's not on this list, maybe it's something in your mind. But we, the staff here at Faith, would absolutely love to have a conversation with you about this interdependence thing this relying on each other for God's glory thing. Because that's why we're here. Is that right? Amen? Yes? 
we are better together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, your word is truth, and it impacts our hearts, God, deeply. Father, we all have been given gifts by your spirit, and we are so grateful. Supernatural gifts, Father, to push forward your kingdom work. And Father, we want to stray from comparing or contrasting from other people's gifts. There's no inferiority, God, here. Each gift is perfect and purposeful according to your will. So, Father, help us to use these gifts. Help us to pursue your kingdom work by not just knowing our gifts, God, but acting upon them. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for this church. Thank you for this family. In your name, amen.